This podcast contains our own personal views not associated with any organisation. Coronial contains descriptions of death inquests that may be graphic and disturbing to some listeners. Discretion is advised. So welcome back everyone to Coronial. I'm Georgie. I'm Alice. I'm Emma. And none of us are eating something currently. Today I'm going to tell you guys about the death of Anita Board, who turned eight only a few days prior to her death. Ugh, I hate kid ones. Yeah, I feel like every time I need to have some sort of disclaimer about the fact that I... Trigger warning. I keep getting interested in ones that involve children and I really apologize. I, I just find them really interesting. This one you will understand what I found interesting in mm-hmm. just a few minutes. So yeah, sorry to everyone that is not super keen on the fact that I keep picking cases that involve young people. So Anita, as I said, she was eight years old, was like many other girls her age. She enjoyed gymnastics, riding a bike in the film Frozen. But ultimately, her favorite activity was drag racing. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was sadly during this activity that she had an accident that took her life in November 2017. And so I was like, is this a typo? Is, are we sure that she's eight? Yeah, true. It's not really an activity that you think about for an eight-year-old. No. I love that she was into that. but Yeah, I love it. But I did not realise mm. that there was such a thing called junior drag racing. And so we're going to learn a lot. And about. when you mean drag race, you mean the car. Not RuPaul's not drag RuPaul's race. Not RuPaul's drag race. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that all was <laughs> We are talking about car racing. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. So Anita lived with her parents and her older sister and was in year two at her local primary school just outside of Perth where they lived. She was healthy and independent and strong-willed and prior to this race she'd had a medical review that said that she was an average eight-year-old. So Anita and her older sister had been introduced to junior drag racing through friends of their family whose son had a junior dragster and was involved in the industry as well. Anita's older sister had her junior drag racing license from the age of 10 and had raced her own drag in the season prior to Anita's accident. Anita's parents had researched the sport uh, like significantly prior mm-hmm. to their daughters becoming involved in the drag racing community. They ultimately concluded that junior drag racing had a better safety profile than other motor sports such as junior speedway or karting because mm-hmm. the risks of collisions were lower. Yeah, right, because you're in a single lane. Like, you're versing someone else, but you're both in an individual lane. There's a mm-hmm. barrier in between the two of you. Yeah. You're going in a straight line. Yeah, There exactly. are no corners. Yeah, and there'd yeah. been less collisions, less risk of injury yeah. from other means as well for mm-hmm. the drag racing community. And yeah. so that's why they were accepting of their children being in this sport. So Makes sense. Yeah, it's one of those things that I want to stress how much these parents really cared for the safety of their children because i think in the broader community people see drag racing as particularly unsafe and for Mm. hotheads and stuff like Mm -hmm. that when realistically it was something that these two girls really loved Mm -hmm. and really enjoyed that they had tried to do as safely as they possibly could and there are risks in any sport like i know that kids don't have tackling footy But there are still risks. Risks in rugby. There's risks in footy. There's a risk in riding your bike down the street. Right, you know, horse riding. Oh, yeah. I would sort of think more Um, risk with horse riding mm. because you have an animal that you need to... Even so, she really enjoyed gymnastics. You can injure yourself significantly in gymnastics as well. I did just want to stress how much her parents had done the research. Mm. And so Anita, having grown up with her sister that was involved had been supporting and spectating drag racing and had known a lot and had always been keen to participate. And so consequently, when she got to her eighth birthday, which meant that she was old enough to apply for her own junior drag racing license, she was just ecstatic. So in preparation for her license attempt, her parents had purchased her a refurbished junior dragster vehicle and safety equipment for her. And the dragster was painted purple with pink flames and Anita named it Pony power. That is amazing. <laughs> it's like it's got lots of horsepower, but it's a little one, so it's a pony. Oh, that's amazing. That's adorable. Yeah. She also really liked My Little Ponies. Hell yes. <laughs> that was probably more what it was yeah, about. Probably. <laughs> but I like it. It's yeah, all levels. So Anita attended the Perth Motorplex to attempt to get her license. The weather was fine and all driving services were dry and the visibility was good on the day that she attended. 
Once on the track, she accelerated and following traveling at a speed briefly, it was planned that she would idle down the track about 200 meters to the finish line and then turn to the exit of the track through a gate that was open about 50 meters past the finish line. Unfortunately, after crossing the finish line, she did not slow down as expected and was unable to safely negotiate the exit gate. And her dragster unfortunately crashed into the concrete safety barrier at the side of this exit gate. The crash wasn't as dramatic as you'd expect for adult races. She mm-hmm. wasn't going nearly as fast. Mm-hmm. It didn't explode into a ball of flames sort of thing. No, no. So, I, like, for me, I think that is kinder on those that were there on the day and, and involved. Mm-hmm. But to those who made it over to her, Anita was unresponsive and not breathing on arrival. They were able to extricate her from the vehicle and extensive resuscitation efforts were provided with a return of spontaneous circulation to the point where... She, I can't remember if that happened, sorry, on track or by the time she made it to hospital, but okay. ultimately there were some positive signs there. However, subsequently imaging showed that she had suffered from a catastrophic brain injury and ultimately passed away the day following the accident. You probably go into it, but what was the harnessing and restraint? She had a five-point harness. Oh, okay. <laughs> Guys, type five restraint. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely was like, oh, harnesses. Yeah, different. It wasn't a U shape. Yeah, it wasn't a U belt harness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a five point harness. And yeah. I, I briefly touch on it, but it's not necessarily the most relevant part. But she was well she was strapped, secured yeah. into the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that's so, the sort of harness you would have if you were racing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cars. You, yep. They have five point harnesses. So. Yeah, there's also some harnesses that hold your arms down so your arms can't fly out of the vehicle if it rolls, that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, look. But the dragster was... doesn't have a roof. No. I was about to say, she would have been wearing a helmet. Yeah, she had a helmet on. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it even has a roll cage or anything like that. But again, I think. Because they're not expected to roll. Yeah. So, again, I think you hold your arms in so that if it does tip or roll your hands, but I, I assume the helmet's protecting your head. I don't know. I haven't really thought yeah. through the logistics of. How these things work. Google of what it looks like. Oh, no, they they do have a roll cage. Oh, they've got a roll bar. Yeah, okay. So which would protect your head, designed to protect your head if you do roll over. Yeah. Following her death, Anita's family agreed to organ donation as they wanted something good to come Mm. out of their devastating loss and to save another family from losing a child. Mm. So she was able to give the gift of several of her organs to help others after her death. That's lovely. Mm. Yeah. Following Anita's death, the Western Australian government imposed a temporary ban on all junior competition drag racing in the state pending a full coronial inquest. The inquest assessed the events surrounding Anita's death and also canvassed how drag racing is managed for junior races in other states and overseas, including training requirements and safety measures to assess what could be done in the community for this sport to mm-hmm. continue. Mm. Safely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, safely. Well, they banned it, I guess. So, I mean, for it to even be continued. Continued at all. Yeah. So, I'm going to just break down for you what issues I'm going to discuss. These are broken down by one of the expert witnesses providing information to the inquest. And this was the acting director of the Western Australian Department of Transport. And whilst his information is more with regards to junior drivers on the road such as teens he was an expert witness around how do we safely allow young adults to have their license so he's not directly focusing on junior drag racing but but it's more yeah broadly driving but the coroner found that a lot of that information was translatable to junior dragsters and so should be implemented yeah his focus remains on the evidence and investigation of best practice for young drivers obtaining road licenses he summarised the five pillars of road safety that needed to be considered as the vehicle and safety gear, the driver, the road environment, the speed at which the vehicle was travelling, and then post-crash elements such as how quickly the emergency responses could be provided mm-hmm. and further investigation and things to assess how changes can be made yeah. following. So I'm going to start with the car and the safety equipment. Anita was familiar with the car as she'd been keen to use it and had had it for a period of time before her birthday, as I mentioned. It was bought secondhand and refurbished by Anita's father. And it did pass a technical inspection for the Australian National Drag Racing Association, known as ANDRA, and I will continue to refer to them as that. The dragster was fitted with a five-point safety harness consisting of two shoulder straps, two leg straps, and a lap strap that all locked together with a claw clip. 
Mm-hmm. So all together. And these were all bolted to the E-frame of the vehicle itself. And then, as I mentioned, there were restraints to keep her arms inside. The inspection that it passed was completed by a volunteer who doesn't have any formal training, but rather had been involved in the sport and doing inspections for over 20 years prior. So it's one of those ones that it's hard to say that you have formal training in an industry that is not particularly formalized mm-hmm. in yeah. the first place. Right. And so they're saying he's as much of an expert as, as he, he could, could be. Yeah. The inspection involved checking the brakes, the frame, the harness, the guards, and the engine to ensure they were mechanically sound and the harness was compliant for the regulations of the Australian National Drag Racing Association, ANDRA. The vehicle was also tested at a race by another drag racer in preparation for Anita just to test out how it went because they obviously couldn't put Anita in it. She didn't have a license yet. Yeah. Following this race, though, the throttle was further restricted as during that test race, it achieved a speed of 100 kilometres an hour, which was too fast for the racing class that Anita would be participating in. Yeah, right. That makes sense. And this left the engine probably running at about a quarter to a third of its potential. Right. On the day of her license test, there was an extended scrutineering program also occurring because she was participating to get her license on a day where an actual competition was occurring, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they just let her do a solo run. Okay. And so these extended scrutineering programs, ESPs, involve further inspections that are intended to place further emphasis on the competitor presenting a vehicle that complies with relevant safety and class regulations. So again, another step to try and encourage people to make sure they're doing the right thing with their races. At small events, all vehicles are checked, but at larger events, only a sample of vehicles are inspected. And that's estimated at the Perth Motorplex to be around 10% of vehicles at the time that Anita was there. Mm -hmm. On the day, Anita's dragster was not selected to have this inspection. And this was a inspection that involved checking the brakes, seatbelts, restraints, switches, lights, and the general roadworthiness of the vehicle, and also included inspecting the racer's safety gear as well. Interestingly, Anita herself signed the competitor's declaration for her vehicle safety, which the coroner criticised by saying, it's hard to see what weight, if any, can be given to an (laughs) eight-year-old signature on such a declaration. Yeah, you would think in that case it would be the parents. Or like doing a co-signature. Yeah. She could yeah. co-sign it. Yeah, and he's like, look, I assume that this is like, you know, witnessed with the parent there. Yeah. Kind of, but but, but like, at the same is, time, she without the She's probably so proud of it. Yeah. yeah, like, I th- yeah it's a driver's like, declaration. She's yeah. the one driving the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was it handed over with the mother standing there being you like... You so. Yes, You'd, I, I feel also like they probably agree, should have had, like, had a guardian signature as well. I agree, <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> but I'm just like, oh, bless. She would have been so... Anyway. So excited to yeah. sign her. Yeah. Yeah. So following the crash, some of the Andra officials inspected Anita's dragster and removed some items from it. They noticed that the throttle was fine and appeared to operate normally and the harness did not have any rips or obvious fatigue showing. Following this Andra officials examination... Two examiners from the WA Police Vehicle Investigation Unit, who were both qualified mechanics, examined the vehicle at the holding yard over two days with a view to determining if there were any defects in the vehicle that could have caused or contributed to her crash. So there was some initial confusion about whether this was a police matter for crash investigation unit as the incident occurred on a private property Mm. and not a public road. And hence there was some delay in the police reviewing the vehicle and I'm not going to go into it because it wasn't very exciting, but basically the motorplex called the police for an investigation of a serious crash. Yep. And the police came out and were like, we've looked at it. Right. And there were positive signs that Anita was actually not so severely injured that she was going to pass away at the time that that was all occurring. Oh, okay. Because okay. they would have called them pretty much immediately. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so there was a delay to the race, etc. The police came along and they said, well... You know, yeah, she's got serious injuries, but at that point it wasn't understood to be a coronial inquest. Yeah, gotcha. And so they said, continue on, do your own investigations, etc. as well. Mm-hmm. But there's not a public safety risk here because this is a private property, etc. Yeah. And so they left. And then it took a little bit of time before the police then subsequently got back involved after her passing. And so that's why there's some delay. And I think the coroner was just highlighting that 
it therefore wasn't able to be investigated like a major crash on the road yeah. where mm. they'd send out the crash unit, things wouldn't be moved, things wouldn't be touched, other people wouldn't have necessarily looked at her dragster and all that kind yeah. of thing mm-hmm. prior to the police coming along. But ultimately, nothing on the vehicle was identified that suggested that it caused or contributed to the crash anyway. Okay. They think it was likely Anita's inexperience that led to it rather than the dragster itself. Yeah, right. But the examiners from the police did find that the vehicle was of substandard condition and many critical components were said to be in a barely serviceable condition. But as I said, wasn't so bad that it contributed to it. It contributed to the accident. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So things like the fuel pump weren't secured in place properly. There was a possible fuel leak. The engine exhaust system was loose. The acceleration and brake pedals weren't fastened to a structural chass- chassis, chassis member of the vehicle. Thank you. And stuff like that. But again, it didn't actually change the mm. way that she would have been able to operate the vehicle. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. changed and, the and quality maybe, of the vehicle. Yeah, maybe over time that would have become an issue. Yes. It probably would have become an issue over time, but this yeah. was, what, the first time that she was using it? Yes. So, oh, someone else had driven it before. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It had been refurbished. yeah. It's not like she driven it a hundred times and no. yes. that was what caused the... Yeah, yeah. Was this Anita's first time driving? Yes. Yeah. Like driving a drag... At speed. Okay. She had been in the vehicle on several occasions sort of being pushed yeah. around or idling mm-hmm. so that she could learn how to steer it and yeah, that was kind of you thing. Yeah, there'd mm-hmm. be some level of training. But she'd not ever gone at speed. Right. And we're going to come back to the training bit. Further evidence provided by the Western Australian government expert witness and others involved in the drag racing community included that the crash protection and crash avoidance has dramatically changed over the age of that particular vehicle. As I said, it was refurbished. And so generally older vehicles are going to be less able to provide crash protection and have crash avoidance features on them as well. And so there was a bit of a push around. Ultimately, the coroner said that they should consider encouraging families to consider making sure that they're updating dragsters on the odd occasion and and trying to phase out older models Mm -hmm. because of even though it's a relatively safe thing having newer technologies and newer Mm. safety always going to be safer yeah Yeah. equipment is going to improve Mm -hmm. your chances in an accident So the first official recommendation that I'm going to mention, though, is that the coroner recommended that all drag racing events at the Perth Motorplex should have officials conducting the scrutineering for at least 25% of the participating vehicles, so above that 10%, Mm -hmm. for the junior drags to bracket, and that a full scrutineering of all vehicles should happen at least once every two years, which would include the driver safety equipment during that inspection as well. Interesting. I thought it would be more regularly than yeah, look, to once be every honest, two years for a child's race. Yeah, I thought vehicle. they would scrutineer, like for even adult races, I would have thought they would scrutineer every vehicle every time. I guess for a big event, and they're saying That's that... That's not possible. Yeah, it's not possible. And certainly remember, so this is at all events at the Motorplex that there should be at least 25, but they said if it's a small event, all of them get checked. It's only yeah, when right. it's big events. So they're saying if, you've if got there's one capability, of those... do all of them. If yeah. you don't, do at least 25. 25%, not just 10%. Yep. And a vehicle must be checked once every two years, which yep. wasn't previously there. Right. Because it could have just been luck of the draw that you never got picked yep. for scrutineering. Yeah. And so interestingly, this coroner really looked at other standards as well. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of briefly went over about being interstate and international yeah. mm-hmm. information, which I don't think we've seen as much in coronial inquests no. so far. No. So I really like that. And so this 25% number came from the Queensland Raceway, Willowbank, and that's the standard that they use. And okay. so the coroner said, well, let's implement that as, as the standard here. Mm-hmm. So that was her car. Let's talk about her safety equipment. Her parents also bought her safety equipment, including a brand new helmet and neck brace, along with clothes, gloves, boots, all of which were fire retardant. Yep. Yeah. The, the clothing bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, her boots were secondhand, but um, oh, relatively she's a child, new. She's going to grow out of them so yeah. quickly. And yeah, some other new. child has grown out of yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. But everything else was new. Contrary to its name, the neck brace actually protected the individual's collarbones. As basically that it was sitting there so that if you were moving your head forward at such a force that your helmet collided with your collarbones, that it was protecting them, not your actual neck neck. structure. And that would have been standard though across? No. Ooh. Which is interesting. Well, 
it's unclear how standard the neck brace was. So ultimately in the inquest, it got brought up that there was a different type of neck brace that individuals could find and purchase, but that they were not widely used in junior drag racing, but they were in adults. Okay. And so the coroner ultimately recommended that they introduce this as a mandatory requirement for all junior races mm. to include in their personal safety gear what's known as a frontal head restraint device, which is a fiberglass or plastic carbon fiber that sits on the shoulders. And then the belts of the vehicle sit over top of that. And it's designed to stabilize your head mm. during an accident in an event that you collide with something and your head, it prevents your head from moving independently to the shoulders. Hmm. So preventing whiplash or neck injury. Essentially. Yep. Yeah. And Thank I assume you for it would, describing that better. wasn't um, part of the standards previously because children don't generally travel at speed. So it wouldn't have been anticipated that those sort of head and neck injuries would have occurred to the same extent as in adult racing. Maybe, but I guess the speed that they're traveling at in terms of the size of their bodies and True. that any force that they might have if they were to collide with anything. And because and their bodies are still growing, like mm. they're... So one of the people yeah. from the community that gave information in this inquest was like, yeah, I bought one for my daughter and we were ridiculed for the fact that she wore it. Wow. Yeah. Because it was just like not a thing that were was done just, for junior races. Right. They're just like, that's total overkill. You shouldn't... Yeah. You yeah, should be yeah, overprotective. Yeah. 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 And it's like, well, yeah, Actually, but they're no. going to like... Her car just, went up to 100k an hour. And, you know, yeah. they're going to have to wear them once they turn 18. Yeah, once so, they're in adult races. Yeah. So <laughs> why anyway. don't we just get them in the habit from a younger age? I wonder if there was a, a cost perspective there. Were $350. They significantly, were they significantly eBay. more expensive than the other ones, though? Like, Oh, absolutely. They would have been. But I don't yeah. even know if the other ones were actually mandatory either. Yeah. Right. And the other ones weren't about your neck. They're, mm, it was protecting your collarbone. collarbone. I'd yeah. much rather break my collarbone than my neck. Me too. All right. So moving on to the driver section of this. Anita, she's an eight-year-old. Like, it's really hard to place that same level of expectation of understanding on an eight-year-old as it is to to any kind of – even there's even debates around 16 and 17-year-olds getting their license and how much they There's a reason why we have key platers. Exactly, Yeah. 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 So she was very keen to get her license and this even included her father seeking if she could achieve getting it the week leading up to her 18th birthday based on when eighth an event, birthday. her eighth birthday, based on when, <laughs> when an event was on. But this breached the Andrew rules for junior races and ultimately was declined. Makes so sense. yeah, and it, look, it's good to know that they did stick to that regulation. Yeah. Yeah. And so ultimately it was decided the weekend after her birthday that she was able to slot into that event to complete her license attempt. Her mother on this occasion did sign a disclaimer to consent to the statement of a person under the age of 19 years agreeing to be bound by the Andrew rules. And this form acknowledged that that motor racing is dangerous and accidents causing death, bodily injury, disability and property damage can happen. That's like a standard disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Disclosure. Yeah. yeah. And interestingly, this was the first fatality in a junior drag racing competition in Australia. Oh, ever. Ever. Wow. There's been accidents, rarely, but this is the first ever fatality that could be identified. So realistically, that disclaimer is also really hard to kind of be like, well, yeah, but it's actually never Never. happened in terms of death. So the initial portion of her license test involved a blindfold test, which when I read this was like, sorry, Sorry, what? what? (laughs) Um, All right. We didn't have to do that to get our licenses. (laughs) But also, is she driving the car blindfolded? This is a test where drivers are assessed if they can exit the vehicle quickly in an emergency, possibly with their vision impaired, such as by smoke or fire. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, right. That makes sense. That is not actually driving the car. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good idea because you may be in a situation where you need to get out. And they're not, it's not like a normal car where you open the door and step out. Mm. Yes. It is a bit more difficult. You need to undo your harness. Well, she's got her hands restrained in, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Because her arms are restrained along with herself. Yeah. And ultimately, she was able to do this. And along the way, you also have to shut down the engine and that kind of thing. So knowing where all of that and how to do that. It's probably something, or those things were probably something she was able to practice. Yeah, exactly. it was just she beforehand. Beforehand. Do that. Absolutely yeah. had been practicing at home. Her yeah. dad had been coaching her along, making yeah. sure that she really understood what, and he was trying to explain why those yeah, things are like important as well. Yeah, this is why well. you need to turn the engine off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
she completed this on her first go, but the instructor did ask her to repeat it again. And he felt it was just because she was nervous on her first attempt. And so he just wanted to see her do it again. So it doesn't suggest that she didn't do it right the first time. It was just that he was like, let's have another go just to increase her confidence. Yep. So then after that, she was permitted to then put her dragster on the racetrack. Mm -hmm. So as we've kind of already touched on, the expert witness said that there's a growing body of evidence that children's cognitive development under the age of 10 does not allow them to judge and perceive the speed and distance in a way that an adult can. Yeah. Interesting. It makes sense, but yeah, not something I've thought about before. No. And so her understanding of how fast the vehicle was traveling versus how far away the the, exit was. Exactly. All Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff will not be perceived the same as what an an adult adult would. Like even a child with driving experience. Yeah. A 16 year old or yeah. And so even a 10 year old who's been doing drag racing for two years. Yeah. But there is a general acceptance that there needs to be a balance in terms of safety and young people being able to be independent and mobile Mm. in a communities when referring to those that are 16, 17 actually getting their license. Yeah. Yeah, And even just if you're wanting to go into a career in motorsport, you do need to start quite young. young. Yeah, exactly. And also it's just that whole thing in general in terms of children and taking risks, right? Like, mm. yeah, you, there has to be a point where you let them take calculated risks yeah. and yeah. learn yeah, on their own and learn by making mistakes and having little accidents and things like that. Yeah, mm. and absolutely. And so he said, yeah, the focus now in terms of preparing young people to drive is around the skill of controlling a vehicle, their understanding mm. to perceive and anticipate risks and gain experience through those kinds of judgments, as you exactly said, Emily. But he still also wanted to stress that the experience of a mature adult driver is still going to be very different to that who's inexperienced, who cannot perceive as well the ability to think through those consequences and that kind of thing. So it was really interesting reading what that expert witness had to say in terms of everyone was just like, yep, happy days, Anita can go race. Mm. But it doesn't seem like the sport was truly understanding that evidence that is now emerging that people need to go through a number of steps of learning, especially at that age versus just. So yeah, maybe it was a case of instead of letting her go straight out and race at speed, start to make her drive slowly along the track and and get her to work out how to go and how to navigate the exit and how far away it is. And then slowly increasing that speed. To be honest, I would have thought that uh, to me, it seems like you jump in the gun a bit to be like, you get your license when you can go at speed I would have thought yeah. there would have been some element of this is how you drive the vehicle. Mm. Because that's even like, I think, getting your provisional license or your learning license, at least it was yeah. back in our day in South Australia, where you were not allowed to drive over 80 k's an hour. Yeah. That was your threshold when you got your L's. Yeah. Like, mm. you're not ready. Yeah. To be judging those distances and driving at those speeds. Or go at 80 for a little bit. Like you, you have six months to learn how to navigate at 80 so that yeah. when we then upgrade you to I think 100. it was at 100 and then we yeah. weren't allowed to go over 100 on our P's. Yeah, yeah, All that like, kind of stuff mm. that you then have time yeah. to adjust to what that feeling is exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah. So you would learn. think that that would be something, especially for someone so young, that yep. it would be something that they would... And so yep. when the coroner yeah. reviewed what's done interstate... He found that the Sydney Dragway conducts an unofficial junior induction program for new junior drivers. And this had been in place dating back to the 1990s. Didn't even know this sport existed that long. Yeah, wow. Mm. And the content and the nature of the program had evolved over time with staged introduction to the sport, developing skills ahead of time, ahead of being on the track with the car. And then that novice drivers are both taken for a walk around the track so that they have Mm. landmarks highlighted along the way know where the start line is, understand the operation of the traffic signal lights that allow them to go. Yep. And then they are introduced to driving and essentially like what you said, Emma, where they mm. graduate speed. Yeah. And that that program had been run by a volunteer who had over 30 years of experience as a trainer and drag car owner. And so the coroner absolutely recommended that the Perth Motorplex and Andra work together in consultation with the junior drag racing Association of Western Australia to create and implement a training program for new junior drag races, similar to the one that's in place in Sydney. In the coroner's opinion, he felt the children should not be able to commence the training program until they're at least eight years old and should involve children going through a number of theoretical and practical tests that they must pass in stages, be assessed by an independent person other than their parent and guardian, because it was Mm -hmm. highlighted in this that Anita's decision to get her licence and the decision that it was appropriate for her to do that was all regulated by her parents feeling she was 
comfortable mm, and ready, ready for that as that. well. And so they wanted to ensure that an independent individual is assessing that as well. Mm-hmm. Not to say that her parents were wrong, but to not put that entirely on them to allow others to, to be involved. Yeah, especially when the parent already had a kid that was doing it. Like, yeah. obviously, that's going to make the younger child be like, yes, I'm ready. Yeah. 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 And the parents will be like, well, it's unfair if I don't let her race. She's yeah. eight. Yeah. 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 And that there should be an on-track orientation so that people can be aware of where they're going and mm-hmm. and the landmarks and that kind of thing. And so just some fun facts around this introduction and why the coroner so strongly stipulated the eight years old. Internationally, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Finland and Netherlands have a minimum age for participants of eight years old. But in the US and Lithuania, the minimum age is five years of age. Whoa. No. But these engines are modified to significantly reduce speeds, but they are still allowed to start competing from five years of age. Wow. I think that's that's getting a little bit I know, I think that's insane. I, oh, I just... But I suppose you can... I'm pretty sure there are... You could get into go-karting when you're, like, three. True. True. That is a good point. Like, I don't think the speeds are as high, but mm. you're still in control No, I mean, you can go and, like, you think about those, like, mini go-karts, like, bumper cars. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So the dragsters for the five-year-olds go 60k an hour. That's Ooh. fast. That is so fast. That is fast for a five-year-old to be driving. Yeah. Yep. I just found that really interesting as a fun fact. So the road environment. And I kind of have already touched on the fact that, yeah, she wasn't permitted to walk the track because it was this big event and so her father had mentioned after now her parents were never critical or skeptical of anything in the junior drag racing community they were always wanting a positive outcome of this tragedy Mm, in terms of improving safety yeah and wanting to still they were still heavily involved in the community their daughter their, their other daughter older sister of anita had been racing interstate since because obviously they couldn't continue racing in wa so they'd still permitted their daughter to race into say competitions right. and all that kind of thing. So they were looking at how do we make this safer mm. so that people can still enjoy this. They were not at all looking to change that. But one thing that her father did say was that the fact that they weren't able to walk on the track or push the vehicle around the track to familiarize her with the area could have possibly helped. As I said, she was the only one that competed at the time or drove at the time down the track so that there was no one else to hinder her. Mm-hmm. So when she first approached the start line, it was also announced over their loudspeakers to say that she was a new inexperienced driver. It was intended that Anita's pass would be a launch, which means she would stage the vehicle at the start, wait for the green light, then accelerate briefly from the start line before taking her foot off the accelerator and idling down the track so she could then exit out the gate. Right. So she wasn't meant to continue accelerating. Mm-hmm. Right. It was just not like you normally would in a drag race. You would just keep accelerating. Yeah. Whereas this was yeah. accelerate a little bit. And then you wait, the off the accelerator, yeah. wait for you to slow down. Yeah, exactly. When the lights transitioned, she essentially had a false start because she accelerated before it went green and was red lighted. She paused and others assumed she would just stop and then mm. they would have another go. Yeah, like sort of push her back to where she mm. started from and start again. Try it again. Yeah. But ultimately she took off and they're not entirely sure mm. why. She also ran over her father's foot while she did this because he had started approaching her vehicle, which oh, right, was... She had a false start. She, yeah, he, he was like, okay, we're going to go push you back. And or she, yeah, yeah, just yeah. have a chat to her. And like, she doesn't have rear vision mirrors or anything to oh, indicate yeah. where he is. So she false started, realised she'd false started, and then just went anyway. But in that time, people had already started approaching right. her vehicle. Yeah. Which suggested that she was unaware that others had been coming to assist her. But she did then have a good straight run down the track, but did not slow when they expected and continued at speed until she approached the finish line. Because there was a false start. Did that impact the way the light signals were operating in terms of did she get that signal to start idling? It just went orange to green. And then obviously because she false started, started it went, went red. red. But then after you've taken off, you don't, yeah, you're you don't past those lights, lights anyway. Oh, yeah. okay, of course. So you don't. There was nothing have, to see. To see. Been, she knew when she was told you have to start idling at this yeah. point. Yes, yeah. but she like, didn't. Yeah. Okay. Her father said he was not aware why she went so fast and why she went for as long as she did. And it's not what they discussed and not what the plan mm. had been. He suggested the reason could have been that as simple as she was just having fun. Yeah. yeah. And I, she I'm was like, like that, that like brief couple of seconds that I was accelerating was really fun. That like, adrenaline. Just, yeah. 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 So when she approached the end of the race, which is 200 meters for a junior race, 400 meters for an adult race, 
it is safer if you're still going at speed to just continue straight because you've got that extra 200 meters. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, there's also... It'd be like runoff room. Yeah. So the sand traps and nets at the end of the full length anyway. However, even in a junior dragster, they'd probably run out of fuel before they got to those sand traps as well because they're under fueled to prevent further distance and further power. That makes sense. And so both Anita and her sister had been taught that if she were to be going too fast to make the exit, she could mm. continue straight and okay. then that would and also be a safe yeah. way to do it. But for whatever reason, she ultimately attempted to exit out of the gate. It was suggested by a number of bystanders that the reason why she might have turned to exit was because there was a marshal on the track at the time of Anita's race at the finish line mm-hmm. or the finish end. And a number of those people thought that that person indicated that she should Slow down and travel towards the gate. Right. This marshal disputed this. He said that he was indicating for her to slow down only and that he didn't direct her towards the gate because he also felt that there would be sufficient space between him and where Anita was driving that he wasn't going to be in danger himself, that she Mm. could have driven past him and that he didn't think he was responsible for making her turn. But I guess there's that debate about, well, did she, even if he was saying slow down, did she also turn just because he was standing there? Yeah, or even just like as a child, you know, as an adult, we all know that the hand signal for slow down means slow down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as a child, you just see someone waving their hand. No, she, she knew that that was okay. a slow down signal. She, she had she some knew, signals yeah, she, okay, you know, good. had learned as part of racing. Yeah. Um, yes. But yeah, still the, she probably wasn't expecting there to be someone standing there. Yeah. So they talked about the fact that at the motorplex, it was inconsistent about where officials might be standing on the track. Some of the staff for the motorplex stating they wouldn't expect people to be on the track whilst a race is happening. Yeah. But then those involved with the drag racing association saying, well, yeah, sometimes we stand on the track and marshal people and, and do those kinds of things. So the coroner kind of went on to say, well, you should make some consistencies there. Mm-hmm. The investigation also raised some question marks around the safety of having juniors exit through the gate and should they Mm. just all be driving straight and then going to the normal adult exit at the end. And so the inquest did identify that there had been several non-fatal incidents involving juniors hitting the gate, but without as much speed as Anita and so not having such serious incidences. But the reasons for not allowing juniors to travel all the way down the track was with regards to race efficiency, mm. getting them off the track as, as easily as possible and to minimise the risk that they might actually continue to accelerate. They might choose to continue to yeah, down the track. That much room. And so they didn't want to encourage that either. So there were some arguments. Can I just ask, do you know, yeah. is it a 90-degree turn to make it, the exit? It wasn't a 90-degree turn. It, it's um, There was a map, but it seems like more of a gentle curve so you sort of take the exit but like like taking an exit on a highway a little bit more like i think ultimately yes you were going out at a at a yes 90 degrees to the track but there was enough of a distance that you were meant to take that at a gentle curve than just like i need to do a right hand turn right now yeah the coroner's recommendation was that the australian national drag racing association give consideration to requiring all junior drag racing participants to continue all the way down the track rather than through an exit gate But if in the alternative they are required to exit through the side gate, then they should come to a complete stop Mm. before executing the turn even. Yep. And if they are required to do that, then the venue should consider installation of a form of barrier to the corners of the exit gates to reduce that impact that might occur if they were to hit it. Yeah. And... And he suggested similar to what the Sydney Dragway had implemented. So following Anita's death, Sydney Dragway had installed some bespoke tyre barriers. I love that bespoke was in the inquest. Where they essentially just stacked some tyres on top of each other and had them placed either side to provide a soft impact area. And then painted them bright yellow again as a Mm. visual indication. With regards to the track as well, the coroner recommended using different flag systems for drivers to understand where they were in relation to the track in relation to where they're exiting so they knew when to slow down as well Mm -hmm. speed was one of the other points that the expert witness brought up and there was a common theme at the inquest from parents involved in the sport with a concern that there was not a true safety culture developed and encouraged within the sport and that some of the comments related to the failure to impose 
automatic disqualification or other restrictions if a junior exceeded their limit restriction. So they were only permitted to go at a certain speed, mm. obviously, to um, impose the most safe way of racing for them. And so mm-hmm. sometimes if they broke those rules... Nothing came of it, and so... Oh, right, there were no um, actual consequences of that. Yeah. You don't get, like, a little licence demerit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, like, next race you're not allowed to participate. Or yeah, yeah. It's or gonna... even, like, this is your one warning if you do this again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There could have been an element that could have affected their competition score and yeah. where they were in their competition. I totally assumed it was just who won that race. I know, it's a consistency more, thing oh, as to, oh. like, how many times you race, who's got the most consistent scores, right. not necessarily who wins the race. So even though two of them go at the same time, it doesn't Mm. necessarily entirely relate is my brief understanding Mm. from the way that they described this. But I I honestly don't know. That's not something I knew. Ultimately, she was meant to only go at a maximum of 96 kilometers an hour. But as we know, her vehicle was able to travel faster than that. And Mm. whilst there wasn't an exact recording of how fast she'd been going at the time, they suspect she may have achieved up to high speeds and that that was unsafe for her. And so it was recommended that the venue, in conjunction with the um, Drag Racing Association, look into the feasibility of how junior dragsters could have their speeds limited or would there be a feasibility of remote cutoffs to be installed into dragsters so that if you notice someone's going too fast, oh, you, you can, can stop them. Yep. You can turn them off. So in terms of the crash... Following the crash, those who were closest made their way over to Anita's vehicle. It was noticed her helmet had cracked in the impact when she struck her head against the steering wheel of the dragster. So there was a little confusion about who was to attend first to her vehicle after the incident because the general procedure is that fire and emergency crew go first before mm-hmm. anyone else to make sure that it is safe. But that didn't happen and, and everyone just flocked who was closest mm-hmm. could get there. And Anita's father, who'd been at the start line, was collected by an official in a buggy and also made his way over as quickly as possible. Okay. Along with paramedics that were on site that were there. Yeah. They started tending to her, but she was still in her vehicle, not breathing, unconscious. But her helmet and neck brace were removed by the paramedics while she was still strapped into the vehicle, being careful with regards to her neck and keeping her still. She was unable to be taken out of the car, but they could see that she had a deep laceration to the right side of her neck at the time and so she was extricated from the vehicle by her father who essentially just ripped parts of the vehicle apart that he could to get her out how that's which they did have the fire and emergency crew that were able to use other implements such as like the jaws of life and stuff to get her out but ultimately, in the confusion, etc. Yeah, I imagine in the heat of the moment, he would have just been like, get her out. I yeah. will do whatever I need to do. Yeah. And so the paramedics said that Anita appeared, her condition appeared quite time critical. Mm. And so his stepping forward and ripping off the windscreen to the vehicle and pulling the steering wheel out of the way allowed for them to undo the harness and get her out. So yeah, again, that, that was actually helpful. Yeah. And he, he he refurbished this vehicle, so he would have known exactly, exactly to how do. to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once she was outside, they got her overalls off and then they were able to care for her. She also, at this time when they got her overalls off, was noticed to have a laceration to her right leg as well. Mm -hmm. And at this point with that, her father ultimately became so upset that he actually needed to be escorted away so Mm. that they could continue with the care for Anita effectively. As they were quite concerned about her condition, they were quite concerned about her neck. She was kept immobile and they were also quite concerned that she had other fractures potentially near that lower leg laceration and Mm. it turned out that she had a pelvic fracture. When she was extricated, ultimately they found – so she'd had a weak pulse while she was in the vehicle and they Mm. ultimately found that she had no pulse by the time they extricated her. And so she was taken to the hospital under priority one conditions. Mm -hmm. And at that point – her heart was shown to have some electrical activity, but she was still in asystole. And once at the hospital, after adrenaline was administered, she had return of spontaneous circulation, ROSC. And this was likely also secondary to the fact that they decompressed her right side at tension pneumothorax, which right. is where your lung has collapsed, but air is moving through a one-way valve system when you breathe in, which causes compression of the space, including the lung and heart which makes mm. it harder to pump blood. That makes sense. 
So after all of this, they thought that she was doing better because she had spontaneous return of circulation, mm. which is an induced coma because of the significant injuries that had occurred, and ultimately had a CT performed, which revealed a subarachnoid hemorrhage, which extended into the ventricles, so the fluid around the brain and down the spine as well, which was consistent with it unfortunately being not a survivable injury. Mm. And along with this, she was also found to have a craniocervical junction injury, which is a very, very high spinal injury at the joint of head and neck, which is also not survivable. And so as I already mentioned, she sadly passed away but was able to be an organ donor Mm -hmm. in this event. And so that at least brought some positivity out of the whole incident. Yeah. Could they figure out whether she had any sort of medical episode during this that may have caused her to keep accelerating? Yeah, so they didn't go into it too much. And I can't remember who it was that said it, but there was some like, could she have maybe fainted? And that's why she continued to accelerate or the acceleration being so so forceful that she fainted Mm. or anything like that. But it wasn't really thought to be... A likely scenario. They okay. thought she just likely got very excited because this was something that she'd been waiting to do so much, but yep. she was inexperienced, so she didn't realize I'm still on the accelerator. I'm not going to slow down enough. Yeah, to get or even to that like, gate. yeah, she knew she was on the accelerator, but she was like, oh, this will be fine. And yep. then went off the accelerator and was like, oh, now I need to turn. Yep. Turn. Yeah, exactly. And so the final recommendation that I haven't mentioned is the coroner saying that the Perth Motorplex should consider installation of CCTV cameras that capture the drag racing. So they only had CCTV cameras looking at the entrance and exits for safety of the space rather than safety of the the crashes. And the coroner sort of said that this would be valuable in investigation for such incidents. Yeah, because then you could have seen what did that marshal do yeah. Not do and yeah. I find that really hard though because they've also mentioned that it's a pretty that, that there's a low number of incidents that occur. Yeah. And so I'm also like, well, what value is that gonna add to something that maybe happens, you know, once a year or whatever to, mm. to get footage from every single race? But yes, it's of big value in that instance. And I think potentially that also equate or came from the fact that because it was unclear as to who was investigating it in that initial instance, yeah. a lot of that evidence was not collected because, you know, they couldn't re-examine tyre marks because several tyre marks had gone over top. Well, yeah, people had then been driving on the track after and all that kind of stuff because they'd been given permission to do so. And so I think it was about, well, how are we going to investigate this in the future if if things like this happen again? Mm. And so that was just one sort of of the small sort of mentions there that personally I didn't give that much weight to. I didn't really think was as helpful as all of the others around improving the safety of the sport itself mm. and those junior drivers. And so, yeah, the coroner ultimately found that Anita's death was rare and unexpected and that it likely occurred due to her inexperience. And I think it was really interesting. I think it really changed the coroner's mind around junior drag racing. As in they went into it thinking it was quite safe and then by the end of the inquest they were like... No, no, I think the other way. I think she was very much like very concerned that there was an eight-year-old driving a a drag racer or dragster, but that realistically going through this and identifying that there are a lot of practices that are used to try to make it safe. Yeah. But obviously, yes, some of it needs to potentially be a little bit reconsidered in terms of mm. but I guess like there is still the risk even if you had more training for those children yeah this might have still happened yes yeah and I mean they still had be... instances of people driving into those walls and that kind of yeah. thing but trying to do the best that they can to mm. reduce that by letting them completely come to a stop before they have to do any kind of maneuvering of the vehicle other than yeah. driving in the straight line could and they do look value. difficult to turn you know they're really long yes they're not true sure, it's really either not a small go-kart they are really long. long it would be kind of awkward i would think to yeah to steer them true so yeah i found it really interesting to think about mm. that aspect in terms of i didn't know you could be a junior drag racer yeah me neither and 
how one gets into the sport, gets licensed and and what they're doing to ensure as much safety as possible in a, mm. in a high-risk activity, which, as we've mentioned, you know, a number of different sports are high-risk. Yeah. The perception is different about those risks. Yes. And so I think the perception of this one is that it's very risky when maybe yeah. it isn't as bad as we thought. Do we know if there have been any other incidents or deaths since? Not in Australia. I think there was one overseas reported, but again, prior to this one. Yeah, okay. And so nothing since. Yeah. And this was released two years after the death, which is now three years ago. So I didn't do any further research mm. around any other instances that have occurred since. But it was very clear in the inquest that the Australian National Drag Racing Association was very on board with any of the recommendations. They were wanting to yeah. work with the coroner and make sure that they did what they could. So I imagine all of the recommendations have been put in place. Yeah, it sounds like it would only have gotten safer. And it was really interesting that these recommendations were all kind of – the coroner tried to point them all towards just the Perth Motorplex yep. venue, but ultimately because it was so entwined with the National Drag Racing Association, it was ultimately going to become a little bit more nationally implemented mm. based on them having such a national basis. And so and you would, like, as, you know, a drag racing complex – or even just a motorsport complex in other states, you would think that you would take on those. Yeah, but we talked about the gyms one. Oh, yeah, true. And the gyms case, yeah, but doesn't appear to like it was not even extended to more than just that any time fitness. So brand, yeah. I think mm, true. Our expectation of what might happen and the reality yeah. may not always be in line. And so I really appreciated that. Like the coroner made the point of. I am directing this mostly at mm. Perth, but I also understand that this is going broader than that, and I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, and that's not and a I'm bad accepting thing. of that. Yeah. yeah, and that they are willing to work nationally mm. on this. So yeah, I don't know. I we've seen a number of different cases, and I keep thinking about them in terms of that. You know how broad the coroner should be, or how more specific the coroner might end up being in mm. their recommendations. Yeah. Very interesting. Thank you. All right. Well, we might uh, wrap up and uh, see you guys next time. Sounds good. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.